0: From inside Blofeld's hollowed out volcano lair, it's the Digiga. Now here's two men who never tolerate failure in their organization: Wade Major and Mark Kaiser and we are back, and Mark is back, although he's he's romancing in the other room. So I'm solo right now. So, uh, Corey, who sent that in? That was sent in by Ian Lasky, writing from the fog-shrouded, cobbled streets of ye olde London townie. His words. Beautiful. Thank you, Ian, and thank you, Corey. Uh, So while Mark finishes doing all of his uh, stuff in the other room, um, we have a ton of stuff to get through today. Uh, A lot of music, tons of music, some classic stuff, new stuff, foreign stuff, an amazing criterion. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we should also point everybody to the fact that uh, Filmstruck is officially launched. Uh, it is not on Apple TV yet. It is on, uh, on Fire and it is on, uh, on mobile devices. Uh, Apple TV officially becomes uh, eligible for Filmstruck on December 1st. I guess there are security things and other technical issues to iron out. So anyway, if you have Apple, the uh, Apple TV 4, it will be a downloadable app from the App Store on the Apple TV 4 on uh, December 1st and then everybody will really, really be rolling with Filmstruck. What an amazing service, trying to get some uh, some interviews and some insight into how that thing uh, finally all came together, but what a, what a great service for film lovers. Um, we should uh, also start off by uh, making mention of the fact that when this, uh, this show airs, it will be around about the time of the American presidential election, and uh, I think everybody's going to be thrilled to get back to movies with that thing out of the way. In the meantime... Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just start rolling through a little bit of classical stuff, which I know Mark always hates when I talk about. Uh, A whole bunch of stuff that's come out over the past uh, couple of months from Naxos and their affiliated labels. And if you like opera, if you like ballet, if you like classical music, some interesting stuff in here. Uh, There is, uh, this is from the, uh, this is uh, Marinsky, uh, Prokofiev, Semyon Kotko, uh, this is a completely Russian opera event. Prokofiev's Semyon Kotko—I'm uh, sure I'm mutilating the uh, the, the name—but uh, very interesting opera, one I'm not familiar with. And uh, even though I love Prokofiev, but it's uh, you know visually brilliant, dazzling. Uh, I watched enough to know that I was not going to follow the plot. Uh, Sleeping Beauty uh... this is the this is a ballet from the Staatsballett berlin absolutely beautifully produced really a really a fantastic thing uh... i i do have a a soft spot for ballet a good friend of mine from kindergarten wound up being a professional uh... ballerina and i have endeavored to follow it as much as i could over the years uh... a little bit more contemporary is the alvin ailey american dance theater this is from lincoln center at the movies uh, more contemporary dance, and, uh, you know, all uh, mostly, I mean, at least one of them is, is choreographed by Alvin Ailey, but it's all from the Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater uh, Company, and uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's modern dance, what can I tell you? A um, little bit more my speed is Kenneth McMillan's uh, L'Histoire de Manon, which is a uh, Parisian ballet, uh, this is also really, really lovely. Much more traditional, and uh, this is uh, from the uh, Bel Air Classics line. We also have uh, Charles Gounod, Romeo and Juliet. This is from Art House Music. This is a—they uh, call this an opera film, and uh, that is essentially what it is. It is an opera filmed. Uh, in you know, with the uh, chorus from the Czech National Opera and, and Kuhn's mixed choir uh, from Prague, um, it's a little bit more like those Zeffirelli movies that he made at one point, Othello, and and uh, you know, he he did that himself. Um, let's see, let me get to a couple of other art house music titles here. Actually, Opus Arte. We have a couple from Opus Arte. All of this will hopefully uh, keep me biding time until Mark gets here. Uh, One is uh, Shakespeare's Othello, the uh, Royal Shakespeare Company, done in a really, really super cool um, modern way with a predominantly black cast. And that is really, really interesting. Uh, Very, very cool. Then we also have um, Benjamin Britten's The Rape of Lucretia, which is with the London Philharmonic Orchestra. That's from uh, Opus Arte. And uh, the Glinda line, really, uh, just really amazing. (laughs) Something I was also not familiar with, but I'm only modestly familiar with uh, Britain in the first place. Art House Music. Also, um, Dead Dreams of Monochrome Men and Strange Fish, directed by David Hinton. This is a uh, fascinating kind of uh, modern theater piece, and uh, not for everybody's taste. More traditional, uh, Verdi's Aida. Uh, with the orchestra and uh, the Teatro Regia Torino, this is from C major. Uh, anything Verdi is always worth a look. Um, Zubin Mehta directing the uh, Vienna Philharmonic in Johannes Brahms Piano Concertos Number One and Two from Unitel Classics. That's on. Blu- this is all on Blu-ray, by the way. That is absolutely beautiful. Some of Brahms's best work. And then the uh, oh, hold on, Mark's calling. Yes, sir. Uh, yeah, come on in anytime. This is a farce. Uh, Then, uh, Razan Roland Kirk, The Case of the Three-Sided Dream. This is uh, quite an award-winning documentary. Uh, about the life of Razan Roland Kirk, who is an extraordinary musician like you have never seen before. Uh, Really, just absolutely a beautiful film, and uh, that is a fabulous Blu-ray. If you are unfamiliar with Razan, that is R-A-H-S-A-A-N, Roland Kirk, you you would do yourself a favor by uh, familiarizing yourself. Uh, Parsifal by Wagner, a new performance of Parsifal, courtesy of uh, Daniel Barenboim and the Staatskapelle Berlin. And with uh, direction by Dmitri Chernyakov, uh, that's from Bel Air Music, also on Blu-ray. Joni Mitchell, "The Fiddle and the Drum," fantastic, really, uh, fa- just fabulous dance and uh, great music. And uh, this is a this is a, a kind of a, a, an unusual modern ballet effort. Um, definitely worth checking out. Um, That is what company... The Alberta Ballet Company. Apparently, they do ballet up in uh, Canada as well. Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro. This is on DVD only. This is from Accentus Music, uh, part of the NCPA Recordings line. Uh, Beautifully done. uh, Conducted by uh, Lu Jia and staged by Jose Luis Castro for the China National Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, Very unusual staging. Traditional and yet not quite so traditional. Uh, then we have a, a choreographed opera of the picture of Dorian Gray from the Danish National Opera, which is weird and cool and uh, very unusual. I, I never didn't even know this existed. That is also on DVD. Um, we have, coming down to the end here, also all on DVD, uh, Elgar's The Dream of Gerontius with Sir Adrian Bolt and the London Philharmonic Orchestra, an original BBC recording filmed in color with a documentary on uh, Adrian Bolt. This, is, uh, this goes back a ways, and this is quite amazing. Um, really a spectacular performance, beautifully, beautifully done from uh, 1968 at Canterbury Cathedral in, uh, uh, in England. Beautiful. And then uh, The Becoming of the Monheim Ring is a film by Rudy Bergman, which is uh, essentially a film of the staging of the Wagner Ring Cycle from three years ago for the Monheim National Theater. And um, uh, not quite the most engaging thing in the world. It's a little tough to watch the ring. It's a little tough to watch it being staged. But uh, for people who are Wagner purists, you'll you'll probably love it. And then Giacomo Puccini's Toronto. With the, also with the China National Theater for the Performing Arts and Chorus conducted by Daniel Oren staged by Chen Xingyi uh, obviously any t- staging of Tyrandot uh, Tyrando, however you want to pronounce it is, uh, is worth watching I still say Zhang Mao's is the very best but this one is uh, not bad at all uh, Beethoven's Symphony No. 9 the legendary Symphony Number no. 9 uh, conducted by Christian Thielemann and the uh, Vienna Philharmonic uh, is a beautiful rendition can't really go wrong with that, and then lastly, from the uh, Open House Zurich in Switzerland, is uh, Bellini's *I Capuleti e i Montecchi*, which is basically Capulets and Montagues, in other words, uh, Romeo and Juliet, uh, yet again. And uh, as you know, it's uh, it's an okay staging. This is from 2015; it's fairly recent, uh, but uh, you know, not uh, not quite as traditional as I would personally have liked. And with that, we are through our, uh, our uh, initial classical music section, and Mark is wandering back. Thank you for wandering back.
1: Well, okay. How, yes. long, did it, how long did it take you to get this thing going?
0: Uh, like an hour and a half. It, yes, yeah. it
1: took you an hour and a half to get your computer going. Yeah. And so I called my girlfriend. Yeah. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, I have a girlfriend. She lives in Paris. Yes, I have a girlfriend. She is 5,000 miles away.
0: Yay. Good for you. All right. So uh, now that I've bored everybody to tears, wake them up, Mark. Tell them, um, tell them what they can expect today.
1: Huh? I don't know. I, I don't just walked know. in.
0: I don't I don't know. All right. So uh, we got new movies. I saw movies. Arrival, by the way. You saw the Arrival? Yeah. How Arrival's good. Yeah? I With hear Amy I.
1: Adams and uh, Forrest Whitaker. Right?
0: It's a good movie. It's a good movie. I
1: saw, I saw Arrival at um, the Soho House. Yeah. Which is The in- screening room. How
0: is that screening room? It's I am is it?
1: Yes, it seats yeah. fifty people. It's got those huge red, yeah. plush, soft, comfortable seats, super wide with with red velvet footstools, yeah. red velvet, uh, you know, ottomans. Yeah. And uh, we saw Arrival with Amy Adams, and um, I got to tell you, that director Denis Villeneuve, whatever his name is, he's the man. Yeah. He's the man. Sweet. If you know what you realize, he's directing Blade Runner too. And he's one of the uh, – and as, as loath as we all are, whether we are yep. a host or listener, at, at the idea of there being a Blade Runner 2, if there has to be one, I'm glad it's him. I'm on board. Nice. This guy is super talented. So uh, we went to the uh, Soho House, which is a members-only club. It's $2,000 a year to become a member. I actually tried to join once, and I was uh, turned down because I probably am not rich enough or handsome enough or thin enough. Um, so we saw the movie At the screening room And uh, then I took a f- Our friend Phil You know Phil works for the Yeah st- where Phil works for the state So Phil gets no perks in life Uh huh So he had always wanted To go to the Soho house Which is like You know all the celebrities Show up to the Soho house It's like the big celebrity hangout um, So we wound up spending Including the movie Six and a half hours At the Soho house Because two and a half Was the movie And the next four was Phil sitting outside because they have a wraparound patio that wraps around the entire the entire perimeter building, and so we had we ordered three desserts at the wraparound patio at the Soho House, and then we ate inside. We drank inside. We went to the uh, uh, restaurant down the hall, and um, all I wanted was for him to see just some celebrity, anybody. Just it—it seemed like the, the a trip to the Soho House is not complete without a celebrity sighting. So, you know, Hugh Grant walks in. I'm like, okay, all right, Phil. You, you, you Hugh saw, Grant you, walked you, you in. You saw Hugh Grant. Nice. You leave now. That's about the celebrity sighting. You're, you, that's all you're going to get today, I can imagine. So we were there for six and a half hours. Saw a terrific movie, Arrival. Very much recommended. Smart sci-fi. Um, got three desserts. Walked my friend around the Soho house, $2,000 a year to uh, join, and uh, saw Hugh Grant and left. It's fantastic. Had a great time.
0: Good for you. Uh, Good for you. Well, thanks, well let's you.
1: I'm glad my evening has your approval.
0: Let's talk about a really terrible movie, uh, Into the Forest. This is a problem.
1: In, 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 into the Forest? Whitaker.
0: Yeah, Into the Forest. Uh, this is just not... This is an unfortunate movie. Um, with some very good actresses, but, you know, I just... Uh, sometimes you you just wonder what, what people are thinking. Uh, Patricia Razima uh, wrote and directed this. Very talented filmmaker with uh, two very, very talented actresses, Ellen Page and Evan Rachel Wood. Uh, but it just... It's like, you know, this weird, futuristic, uh, kind of semi... Mad Max ish uh, post apocalyptic. It's like it's like they it's like they wanted to do the Hunger Games, but they didn't have enough money, so they just they they just have two girls, you know, set in the forest. I, it, it, there's like you know there's there's this big like this global no one's seeing that way. No one cares. There's global power outage, no and uh, you know they've got to they've got to somehow no one cares make do it just doesn't really go anywhere it just feels again it feels like Hunger Games with not enough budget to actually do the Hunger Games no one cares it's too bad Uh, anyway Blu-ray and uh, Ultraviolet uh, and then is Patricia Razima's Into the Forest two very fine actresses Ellen Page and Evan Rachel Wood a good director but otherwise uh, just lackluster material
1: speaking of um, good female actress type people Bad Moms (sighs) Mila Kunis Kristen Bell Katherine Hahn Jada Pinkett Smith and uh, Christina Applegate you know, look, I think it's fine that the women get their version of a, of a you know, hall pass, dude yeah. movie type thing. I think sure. that's uh, that's absolutely fine. Is this the movie you wanted? Um, not really. It barely makes it over the uh, Mendoza line for you baseball fans. Um, it seems as if considering the talent involved, it doesn't really get as outrageous or as clever as you want it to go. Uh, But the cast is terrific, and, you know, it gets a little sweet and syrupy at the end, which I guess it has to, which is a little bit disappointing. So um, I would, uh, if you're a woman, if you're a mom, whether you're a good mom or a bad mom, you know, I'm sure you you get your girlfriends over, give this a whirl on a Saturday night with uh, with the kids already sleeping, and you might have a good time. Lots of penis jokes and... And you know, women swearing and I guess that in and of itself is funny. I again I wish it was funnier and took more advantage of the of the talented ladies involved and a little more clever and whatnot. But uh what are you gonna do?
0: Bad moms. Not interested. Good luck with that. Uh Carnage Park. And uh so yeah, a movie boy called Carnage Park. What do you want? Uh it takes place in 1978 and uh it's a it's a thriller basically in, in the wake of a bank robbery that's gone completely kaput and everything goes even more kaput and uh it just it goes completely off the rails and uh that's uh, you know it gets it becomes all about carnage uh, written and directed by Mickey Keating, who has fun with it. It's a little bit too bloody to be funny and a little bit too campy to really be uh, effective. It's kind of an unusual film. This is from Scream Factory. I don't really know how to weigh in on this. Uh, it's nice to see Alan Ruck, uh, who always makes for you know a nice presence. I just can't look at him without thinking of... Um, and I've been in his house, you know. It's just you can't look at him without thinking about Ferris Bueller.
1: No, Star Trek: Generation.
0: Yeah, that too. Anyway. He was
1: so miscast in that. I'm sorry. Well, anyway. he's, just, he's so dorky looking. Yeah, I can't see him as a captain of anything.
0: And then uh, Sausage Party uh, got a little bit of uh, advance buzz, and then kind of didn't really go anywhere. A ton of great voice talent in this thing. It, you know, it was it, look. It's a dirty animated movie from the Seth Rogen team. And uh, d- fair enough, but, you know, I, I, you need more than just dirty talking. It, you need more than, like, a Toy Story with foul mouth, no, which don't. is basically it's what awesome. this is. It's food, you know, the it's whole awesome. idea that food comes back, and they find out that their dream of heaven, where they go, is, is not really heaven. Some people have read, like, an atheist theme into this, which I think is really overplaying it. I don't think it's that deep. I just think they want to be dirty and they found an interesting way of doing a toy story like thing with food that was uh, let them be you know filthy and satisfy their their crowd but anyway it, it's fine it's uh, it's not great animation it's uh, it's not horror. it's not as dirty as you would think it's not as funny as you would think it's just kind of you know it's fine Salma Hayek and Seth Rogen and Kristen Wiig and Jonah Hill and Paul Rudd and, you know, Edward Norton, Michael Sarah everybody you can imagine. James Franco, they're all in the the whole, the whole team. Everybody does voices, and you can tell, and it's, it's okay. Uh, a few Blu-ray exclusives, uh, mostly featurette things, and uh, that's what you get, Ultraviolet along with the Blu-ray.
1: Pierce Brosnan stars in IT, which is a real straight-to-DVD-type programmer. That uh, shows that, you know what, Pierce Brosnan, he's getting up there and um, I guess he'll do anything. It's about a guy, he plays a guy, very successful. Keeps on ticking. Keeps on ticking, he's got a beautiful wife and he's got a teenage daughter and he's uh, super smart. And uh, it turns out that his IT consultant, who is like running his home and his life, um, uh, starts to kind of uh, use his skills to um, do bad things.
0: That's not right. It all pertains to a server, it's always that home server problem. Uh,
1: Very... Very formulaic, real push-button, just totally straight-to-DVD stuff. It completely depends upon your love of uh, Pierce Brosnan, who's cool. Yeah. I like him as Bond, but now that he's 60-something, do I like him in this? No, this is, uh, this is bad news.
0: All right, fair enough. Uh, let's hop into some uh, TV here, Mark. Uh, the Durells in Corfu, complete first season. This is from PBS. I, wait,
1: wait, 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 wait. I want to make sure that, that, our, that our, our, our listeners are sitting down yeah. as you discuss the Durells in, in Corfu. The Durells in Corfu. Because you know that our listeners, wow, they're on you know Amazon what? right now.
0: They, they, like, it takes place, look. Wow. Okay, fine. This is about a, uh, people who leave uh, 1930s England to go to a Greek island. And it's beautiful. It's shot in Greece, and it's gorgeous, and it's a lot of fun, and it's a period thing. and It's uh, just one of those great BBC masterpiece things that uh, they do so well, and it always winds up on uh, PBS here as part of the masterpiece line. Like Downton Abbey, that took off like gangbusters. This one probably won't, but it's also very pleasant, beautifully written, very well acted. Uh, I would like for it to be on Blu-ray. It's based on a uh, trilogy of novels called The Durrells in Corfu as well, and uh, I think it's lovely. I would like to see more of it.
1: Some people would like to see more of Outlander. Yeah, Now, I'm not familiar with the show, uh, I have to
0: say. Um, it's been on for a while.
1: It's, uh, this is the second season mm-hmm. uh, DVD set. And uh, they're going into the third season right now. They're going into the third yeah. season, it's on Stars. And yeah. uh, I, I just feel like uh, it looks great. And it seems a little bit soapy. It's it's somewhere between like a PBS show and *Ease the Royals*.
0: <laughs> kind of okay. like is What's yeah. the difference? But the, the time travel aspect to it is what people think is cool, which I think is actually kind of weird. I guess.
1: Yeah. Um, anyway, just, I have not seen this. So we're just letting you know what's out there. The uh, second season of *Outlander* coming back to stars. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Awesome. And then we got a couple of uh, documentary series here. Uh, They're both worth watching, if you're into that. Uh, NASA, Journey Through Space, documentary series. Uh, We can't really put people into space right now. NASA doesn't have a space shuttle or anything at all. We rely on the Russians, which really sucks. But... Uh, this seven-part series will restore your faith in what NASA has done in the past and perhaps will do again in the future. So this is the story of the American space program, you know, Kennedy, and we will do that and the other thing, put a man into space and all that stuff. And, of course, landing on the moon, yada, yada, so forth and so on. If you didn't live through this, like Mark and I did, because we're a million years old, uh, this is probably a lot more exciting. If you did, it's nice nostalgia. There's also the Indian Wars, A Change of Worlds, which is a seven-part documentary series from uh mill creek which gets into you know we always think of little bighorn and custer and sitting Bull and all that stuff but there's a lot more to it uh the the Indi these so-called indian wars really represent a a rather extraordinary moment in uh, the history of north america when one culture um i shouldn't say conquered but essentially um replaced another through great amount of bloodshed and conflict and uh there are very few heroes here on either side. There's nothing, there's nothing particularly heroic about any of this, but it is, uh, it is just from a completely <laughs> dispassionate historical point of view, quite an interesting series. It is well worth looking at. The Indian War's A Change of Worlds. Wait,
1: well, here's a recommendation for you. This is a, a British show from uh, about uh, six, eight years ago called The It Crowd. Uh-huh. And this is a good show. It's yep. about uh, these, this British show. By the guy who created Father Ted. I love Father Ted. You know, Wade is all into the uh, British uh, sitcoms, and he's way over into it. It's like it's mm. a weird obsession. It, 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 yep. might, it might be a fetish. But I have to say that... Oh, fa- yeah, for sure a fetish. But I have to say, that Father Ted,
0: funny. Oh, it's so funny.
1: So the guy who created Father Ted created the It Crowd, and it's about these three people, and they're stuck in the basement of their skyscraper office, and, uh, you know, it's all about how they kind of... Get through their day. They're nerds. They there's a computer whiz, and they're like socially awkward. And it stars Chris O'Dowd, who has since gone on to become kind of an interesting little character actor guy. He really in like has, John hasn't Apatow he? Type films.
0: He's he's been great. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, well, in in bridesmaids, that's when he really right. kind of popped through. He's he'd been in a number of other things, and you know, British and Irish films before that. But uh, that's when people said, "Hey, I don't, I like this guy."
1: Um, anyway, so this is a really funny show. I I would recommend definitely recommend release renting the It Crowd. It's the complete series, all four seasons on five discs. There's also a bunch of special features. Um, so yes, if you're not familiar with the with the with the film, if you're not familiar with the show, the It Crowd, I would definitely give this a uh, give this a whirl because it is funny stuff from across the pond. Yay! Unless you already live across the pond, in which case it's funny stuff. From your home country,
0: so Marco, unless you live across yeah. the pond, but
1: you don't live in the UK, in which case it's funny stuff from the continent.
0: So Marco Brambilla uh, directed the Dinotopia miniseries, which is on Blu-ray, and uh, I I have to say the whole concept of this is really quite ridiculous. Uh, the the sort of like a Western frontier thing with dinosaurs. I won't I won't get any to any great degree, into this. Uh, it, 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 either you, you look, Dinotopia is a ridiculous, absolutely pointless miniseries, remarkably well done with very good special effects, but if you think about it for 13 seconds, it'll, it'll just go completely off the rails. Um, that being said, it's got a lot of good stuff in it. Great music by Trevor Jones, really, really good score. Trevor Jones just one of the great composers of all time. Uh, and some really, really good acting, which includes Alice Krieg and David Thulis. And the always amazing Wentworth Miller. And this is where I want to go with this because not really, you know, Donatopia, Blu-ray, whatever.
1: Is he always amazing, Wentworth
0: Miller? Wentworth Miller is just so much fun on those. He's the best thing about all those DC shows, about The Flash and uh, Heroes of Tomorrow. He's the best thing about all that stuff. Have you watched any of that? You don't, do you? No. You don't watch The Flash. Nerd. You you are so Earth 2. (laughs) You are just so Earth 2. Nerd. Anyway, yeah, that's what it is. So, uh, all right, real quickly then, uh, let me go through three foreign language films that we have this week. We've got an Israeli film called The Kind Words. Uh, Not as – I don't think it's as great as a lot of other people seem to think that it is. Uh, This is from Strand. I think I've certainly seen better films uh, that kind of deal in some of the same material. But in any case, this is about uh, three uh, siblings, a sister and two brothers – and uh, they discover, after their mother's death, that um, their father was not really their father. What? Boom. Yeah, boom! And now, of course, the you know you have to undertake this journey of discovery, and it's a big family thing, and uh, it's 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 okay. It doesn't really sort of do what you expect a movie like this to do, but it's it, fair enough. It it's decent. Um, then we have, from Film Movement Classics, another really, really great classic foreign language film from 1976, Ettore Scola's Ugly, Dirty, and Bad. Um, I'm so glad Film Movement is doing this. They, their classics line is really moving up there into, like, Kino and uh, Cohen and Criterion territory. They're getting so many good films. And they're really good transfers. And uh, Ettore Scola, of course, one of the great Italian directors of the the uh, sort of late... Uh, Period post Antonioni uh, post what
1: o- o- post Uwe Boll yeah
0: sort of sort of the, the post Antonioni the late Antonioni period anyway a Scola, really great director um, I mean significantly overlaps with all the others in the sixties and seventies but uh, this is a terrific film uh, it is uh, pretty long it's just under two hours it is quite funny. Uh, although it's a little tiny bit dated, it's of a certain kind of Italian humor that uh, they don't really do anymore. But uh, anyway, it's it, uh, if you like uh, Roberto Benigni movies, you will probably enjoy it. It's it's more in that kind of vein of, uh, of you know about a guy who inherits life insurance money and uh, doesn't want to actually give any of the money to his relatives, and then you know it turns into a bit of a farce thereafter. Great commentary from uh, Richard Pena, who is the director emeritus of the New York Film Festival and a professor at Columbia University. And uh, really well, well worth uh, checking out. And then, of course, here's the, uh, the gold standard this week for foreign language films, The Complete Lone Wolf and Cub on Blu-ray from Criterion. If you are not familiar with the Lone Wolf and Cub films, there are six of them, and it's essentially about a roving samurai and his infant son who's in a baby cart that's booby-trapped and uh, lots of really great uh, feudal Japanese action to go. This uh, this also includes the uh, high-definition version of the original Shogun Assassin, the 1980 movie. Um, that took the first two films and then edited them together and created like an English dubbed version of it. So you get that here as well. There are also other re-edits of the other films that are part of the Shogun Assassin series of films. Those are not here. Those have been previously released. They are still on DVD. uh, Very hard to find. Um, But... uh, this also includes a 2005 documentary about the making of the series, and new interviews, and you know, it's just really loaded with great stuff to really give you a great background on this. The here's the thing about these though: the Lone Wolf and Cub films, which are absolutely wonderful, um, are based on a manga. Get this, you're going to love this. So the the Lone Wolf and Cub manga inspires the movie series, which is then re-edited into the movie Shogun Assassin which then inspires a graphic novel in America called Road to Perdition, which is then made into the movie The Road to Perdition. So The Road to Perdition is based on a comic, which is inspired by a movie that was re-edited from two other movies that were based on a manga. What? Did you follow that? No. Pretty great. So anyway, Road to Perdition basically is the, uh, the American descendant of this. I would love to do a documentary someday. If anybody were willing to fund it, about the weird back and forth lineage between Japanese and English language material, Get, you know, Kurosawa and all the the, the the Shakespeare and the Ed McBain and you know what I mean, and then it, all the
1: it always seemed weird to me that like like because High and Low is one of my favorite Kurosawa films. I think yeah. High and Low is great. Yeah. But you when you read that it was based on an Ed McBain novel, it seemed just, like two uh, right? different two different worlds. You know. You go. Wow. How'd they connect? Yeah. Uh, okay. Oh, wait. Shut up. That's my transition to anything I say. Wade, shut up. Yep. Big release so, of the week, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah. Taxi driver. Anniversary. 40th anniversary of Taxi Driver. Cannot believe it's been that long.
1: It's been 40 years since Taxi Driver. This, of course, won the Palme d'Or in 1976 at the Cannes Film Festival. And it's, it's weird when you think that Taxi Driver won the Palme d'Or. Can you imagine them awarding like a, a taxi driver of 2017 right. the Palme d'Or? Right. Right. Gluh. Gluh. Fluh. Uh, this is one of the all-time great films. It, uh, I have to say that so if good. if you do not own any other Taxi Driver uh, Blu-ray iterations, you should definitely buy this. If you, uh, if you own one of the other Taxi Drivers, you might want to take a look at this. It's got the original 1986 commentary from Scorsese and Paul Schrader, f- recorded by the Criterion when it was out on Criterion. It's got it's a two disc two disc set. It's got a making of, which is great. Um, it's got another commentary. It's got a couple of uh, featurettes uh, about uh, the New York locations and all about uh, you know, Scorsese talking about the film. It's a it's a brand new 4K transfer. It's you know it's it's, it's a grainy film. It's an old film. It's a 40 year old film, so it's not going to look like uh, you know Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's as good as it's ever going to look. It also includes a brand-new Q- uh, Q&A featuring Scorsese, De Niro, and Jodie Foster. De Niro, of course, never the most talkative guy, but you have uh, Scorsese there, and he's always awesome, and I love Jodie Foster. So I don't know what to tell you. Taxi Driver, one of the great films about just alienation and being unable to, to, to connect with other people and just utter, complete, desperate loneliness. It really is. And, you know, and Bernard Herrmann, what a great score by Bernard Herrmann. Right? Uh Fla. So, I just think Taxi Driver is one of the all time great films. Now, some of this might be, some of the residents might be peeled off by the fact that, uh, you know, Travis was, he's a veteran, he was in Vietnam, and we don't really, that doesn't mean that much to us today. Uh, that added, definitely added a, a layer of depth that doesn't resonate now. But that being said, there's still so much amazing stuff in this movie. This movie is just, uh, they don't make them like this anymore, Wade.
0: I know. They don't.
1: So Taxi Driver, I would seriously, do- I would seriously consider double-dipping. Take a look at the one you have now and um, see if you want to replace it because you would be justified in doing so.
0: Totally. All right. A bunch of olive titles. Got a great olive uh, batch this month. Really, really good. Uh, a little bit of obscure, a little bit of cool, um, but the obscure stuff is really, really super cool. So there's a movie called Special Effects, Mark. It's. Uh, it's it? a- no,
1: that's not the Brian Brown film. Remember, remember the old Brian? Yeah, Brown no, no, film? that's
0: that's FX. Got it. This is called special effects, and uh, it's basically a thriller. Uh, it's very kind of inside meta Hollywood thriller from 1984, late in the career of the great Larry Cohen, who wrote and directed this. One of the great all-time exploitation filmmakers. Uh, it's it just, and it's a thriller that sort of satirizes thrillers. And this is, of course, when special effects was just becoming a thing, right? Star Wars really. Took special effects movies to a whole new place in 1977. Nobody really went out to see special effects movies prior to that. They'd see movies that had, you know, optical effects, I should say. That wasn't really a thing until 77, and then it became the only thing. Then we've got, you know, Star Trek and Superman and Close Encounters and on and on and on. So uh, it's a fun world to sort of uh, use as a, uh, to launch a satirical thriller about Hollywood, and as exploitation y as this is, and it really feels more like a 70s film, it's actually quite a lot of fun. We also have The Return of Dracula which uh, is one of the... This is directed by Paul Landers, L-A-N-D-R-E-S. This is from 1958. This is one of those little-known, lower-budget Dracula movies that doesn't really warrant uh, much attention, if not for the fact that it just... Is so unusual compared to the others. It's a completely different style. It's not sort of Andy Warholish. It's not in the classic vein. It's uh, it's not even in the Hammer vein. It's just its own thing. And it was done by UA at the time. And uh, you know, it's uh, not 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 a huge all star cast or anything at all. It, it's just a very unusual movie. When and, and this is um, you know the Return of Dracula. Also from Olive is um, Strategic Air Command starring Jimmy Stewart and June Allison, a a popular Jimmy Stewart film, not the most popular Jimmy Stewart film. Uh, but uh, you know it as it, it's as far as it, you know, uh, a military movie, Jimmy Stewart who of course served in World War II, jumped rather ably right after that into doing military themed movies that were very Cold War oriented and that's exactly what this is. It was shot in VistaVision and uh, it looks gorgeous. That's the most important thing to see here. It's a it's a pretty decent blu-ray transfer but the vista vision really really does make it uh make it better and let's see uh then we've got a this is an interesting one little foss and big halsey f-a-u-s-s and halsey h-a-l-s-e-s-y little foss and big halsey this is one of those kind of pseudo studio semi-counterculture movies Uh, that tried to put big stars into something that had a little bit more of a kind of a youth appeal. All these things kind of show up in the wake of Easy Rider. This is from 1970. And uh, the only thing that sort of elevates this above being one of those sort of uh, rebel youth movies from the 60s is the fact that it has Robert Redford in it. Uh, Really very ably backed by Michael J. Pollard, uh, Lauren Hutton. Uh, Best diastema ever, right, Lauren Hutton? Diastema.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That was Letterman.
0: Letterman esque. Letterman esque. Love the diastema. Uh, Noah Beery and Lucille Benson. And yeah, it's a you know motorcycle racing movie, and uh, it's uh, you know whatever it is. It's, it's 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 it is what it is. It doesn't really it, the the it's not a it's not a great movie, but Redford looks good, and the motorcycles are fast, and you know the performances are decent. Mark, have you ever seen Gas?
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, no. I thought you were going to say, "Have you ever seen?" S-
0: no, this is there was like was a film called. S- 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 yeah, with with Dirk Benedict as the guy turns into a snake. No, this is gas. It's like S- with G A at the front of it. Uh, this is another one of those. Is uh, also from 1970. One of those uh, semi countercultural kind of things, but this gets really weird. This is this is one of those. Um, post-apocalyptic deals when they were not really doing a very good job making them, like pre-Omega uh, Man. Oh, right? yeah, like
1: like Omega Man was incredible. Well, Omega
0: Man was when they first kind of got the, the post-apocalyptic thing no, right. No, 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 yeah. no. Yeah. Wait,
1: no, no, no. You know what it's all about? What's it all about? Damnation Alley. Yeah. Remember Damnation Alley? Giant cockroaches. No, I thought it was like a big scorpion that attacked their little their Oh, little that's car. what it was. It was
0: giant scorpion. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, Best. Anyway. Uh, so anyway, yeah, you get, you get an interesting cast here. Uh, ben Vereen and Cindy Williams and uh, Bud Court. Uh, it, it, it's, it, you know, it's, it's definitely a 1970s before these people go on to do better work kind of a thing. Um, but the, the, the distinguishing characteristic of this is the fact that this was written by George Armitage, okay? Good screenwriter and uh, directed and produced by Roger Corman. Who clearly was trying to do something much more, um, I guess, somewhat professional. He was trying to he was trying to do something a little bit riskier than what he was uh, otherwise doing at the time, and uh, it doesn't quite um, doesn't quite get there. But it's still it's an interesting artifact. It's a really interesting and unusual movie. Uh, Yul Brenner, Robert Mitchum, and Charles Bronson in Via Rides. It's a Pancho Villa movie. Uh, I don't know what else it's you can say. It's pronounced
1: Pancho Villa.
0: Yeah, it's a Pancho Villa movie. I don't really know what else you can say about this, I- except that Yul Brynner is an absolutely ridiculous Pancho Villa, and it's great. It is great how awesomely ridiculous he is. There's nothing about a Ukrainian man that even remotely can pass as, as like a Mexican you know, legendary bandito. It just it doesn't work. work
1: for Eli Wallach.
0: You know what, Eli Wallach, uh, yeah, kind of, sorta, but Yul Brenner doesn't work at all. And yet, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful watching him try. I don't know. I don't know how I can even reach that conclusion. But um, it's fun. It's a whole lot of fun, and uh, really, really good cinematography. Jack Hildyard did the uh, who did uh, Bridge in the River Kwai shot this, and it looks gorgeous. And the Blu-ray is a really solid transfer. And then, lastly, we have a couple of uh, interesting animated films. Uh, effectively, uh, they they're not. It's not anime per se. Uh, it's it's Korean animation, which is kind of sort of anime. Uh, and these are both relatively recent. Uh, one from 2011. One from 2013. The one from 2011 is the King of Pigs, and uh, the one from 2013 is the Fake. Uh, now, there's a, there's a whole history and a whole Korean animation backstory to this that we don't really have time to get into. Uh, but what's interesting about both of these films is that they are... And, and these are directed by Jung Song-ho. Jung uh, Sung ho And the uh, what's interesting about both of these is that they're not really like anime films in the animation sense, but they... Well, uh, how do I even put this? They... They evoke anime, but they're not anime. Uh, you can tell that, like as there is very often the case with Korean culture, you can tell that there is an ancient, historical uh, Japanese influence on it. But the dramatic structure of these things—these are these are essentially just you know straightforward family dramas. Uh, very, very interesting, very unusual, and um, very uniquely Korean. Uh, so. With that, I would say if you are an animation buff, The King of Pigs and The Fake are worth checking out. Really interesting acquisitions from Olive.
1: What? Oh, oh.
0: oh you put everything everywhere. I just dropped everything all over you. That's what I do. How are you feeling, by the way? Are you finally over your cough and all that nonsense? Yeah,
1: I In fact, I kind of forgot about it. Oh,
0: good. It only took about six weeks. Now that I reminded you of it, you're... Now you, I'll start coughing yeah.
1: again. Uh, let's see what we got. We got uh, from the good folks at uh, Film Detective... Suddenly, which is uh, has been out on Blu-ray before, and this was directed by my step step grandfather. Okay, here's the situation. Yeah. Lewis Allen directed That's this. That's right.
0: Love it. This is directed
1: it. by my the great Lewis stepmother. Allen stepmother's stepfather. What does that make him? My stepmother's stepfather.
0: That makes it. That means this is directed by. So this is directed by your stepmother's stepfather. Correct. So that makes this your. Step, Your step-step-grandfather? Step I don't
1: know that there's two different steps. I think it's just he's my step-grandfather.
0: Uh, he's uh, passed away, but um, he still is. Okay,
1: all right. Anyway, so Suddenly is about uh, Frank Sinatra, very good as a, a cold-blooded killer who wants to uh, – he pulls up into, this, into the town of Suddenly, California to try to assassinate the president. And uh, will he do it? Yes. No, I'm not giving it away. Uh, I'm just kidding you. So uh, yeah, it's, you know Sterling Hayden's in this, and we love Sterling Hayden. He it was a little bit it was a, it was a few years before Sterling Hayden became the entertaining crackpot that he became in other films. Um, but Sinatra's terrific, and uh, the Blu-ray's okay. Uh, you know, it's uh, they picked up the rights from. Uh, I'm trying to figure who, who had uh, did it before. It might have been um, I do not know who released this before, but uh, I guarantee it was somebody. Um, HG Cinema Classics. So there's no extras on this thing. If you know, if you like the movie, go for it. Um, but Film Detective, they actually pick up some good movies. Actually, they're doing a pretty good job over there. I just wish that they had more. They could spend some money on extras. And yeah, upgraded no, transfers in time. and that kind in of stuff, Hopefully, in time. Uh, double feature, featuring the late Gene Wilder. We have Hanky Panky, starring Gene and his uh, wife Gilda Radner, and uh, Another You, which was the fourth. Uh, Collaboration between uh, Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. Both of these movies are not very good. Hanky Panky
0: is notable but only Gene be- Wilder, and then he's with his wife. <laughs>
1: well, so well, actually, know. well, really, for me, Hanky Panky is only notable because it was directed by Sidney Poitier, which is a little weird. Yeah. Like Sidney Poitier was like like Mount Rushmore in terms of like you know actors and just and just you know stature, and uh, he he directed Hanky Panky. Yeah. So not really into that. He also directed Stir Crazy. Um, so Poitier's directing career was not quite like his, like his acting career anyway uh, neither of these films are very good you would have to be a real Gene Wilder completist and God love you if you are to be interested in this double feature DVD Hanky Panky and another you
0: so we've got uh, some Warner Archive stuff as well uh, Warner Archive has a great uh, lineup this month uh, the Hollywood Legends of Horror Collection is six films on a, uh, a DVD-R collection uh, some really decent stuff in here. I mean, there's, you know, the, the Devil Doll is one of the famous ones. Doctor X is a big deal. Um, Mark of the Vampire, a little bit lower. Mask of Fu Manchu, a little bit sort of lower key. The, but you get this because you just want to watch a lot of fun actors. You want to watch Peter Lorre and uh, you know Wayne Morris, who's a very underrated actor, and you know, Lionel Barrymore. You, you just want to you just want to want to immerse yourself in this whole. This whole scene, that whole moment and genre of movie making. And then we also have a double feature. uh, Richard Dix in Ghost Ship and uh, Dennis O'Keefe in The Leopard Man. Two more cool uh, genre films from the era with some decent special features on here. William Friedkin does a commentary uh, for The Leopard Man. And uh, it's uh, it's something I never would have expected. Uh, And it comes as really quite a nice uh, surprise. So uh, that's worth checking out. Uh, you know, great directors here too Jacques Tourneur and uh, Mark Robson. That's, that's good cred, right? Good cred. Good, of course. And then uh, they continue with their Archaeo Comedy Classics Collection Volume 2 Wheeler and Woolsey. Six films Dixiana, The Cuckoos, Too Many Cooks, Everything's Rosy, Cockeyed Cavaliers, and Silly Billies. Uh, very particular moment, very particular kind of film. The, uh, the comedy team of Burt Wheeler and Robert Woolsey, uh, kind of overlooked and forgotten today, but they made some fun stuff for RKO and uh, worth, redis- worth being rediscovered. Here's the really good stuff. Here's our, here's our Warner Archive Blu-ray lineup this month. Really good stuff. Really interesting stuff all over the map. Um, Ida Lupino and Robert Ryan in On Dangerous Ground, right? Okay, gorgeous Blu-ray, incredibly well shot. Uh, classic film from Nicholas Ray just some of the best cinematography ever John Hausman of course produced Uh, just a a really really rock solid good black and white crime film just really hard hitting good solid noir stuff fair enough then we get Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil now this is you know a fairly recent film this is a Clint Eastwood directed drama from not that long ago And uh, I thoroughly despise this film. However, I know a lot of people love this film. Do you like this film? Meh. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I wasn't alone. (laughs)
1: <laughs> You're not alone. I mean, my
0: big problem with this was just, it was just sort of all over the map. Kevin Spacey didn't really – he wasn't invested in it. And then, and then you know, uh, you, you've got Jude Law has that ridiculous accent and the the plot sort of meanders. It's really very, very leisurely. I think Clint's become a better filmmaker in his 80s than he was in his 70s, to I like
1: be honest. A, I like Sully a lot. But, but part of the reason why Sully is so good is because of the way it was edited. We, it's yeah. a little snappier. feels a little more modern, right?
0: Yeah. Well, you get interviews here, uh, which, which is about as much as you could probably expect for, uh, for a, uh, a, uh, an Archive Blu-ray uh, extra of a recent film. And then here's the one that I really want to spend a, a bit of a moment on. Uh, I, w- I did not see this coming. Uh, Body Snatchers from the Warner Archive Collection. Is that the Abel Ferrara one? This is the Abel Ferrara one. That's pretty good. You know, uh, this, this it's film. It's not the
1: best of the Body Snatchers films, but it's pretty good.
0: Well, Larry Cohen, again, shows up here, gets a, uh, a, a screen story co-credit. And um, the, even though he doesn't you know, get a screenplay credit, I'm assuming that at some point there was a script of his that was somehow involved in this. It, it, there, this whole thing gets into, um, there's, a, there's, a, uh, there's a Kuwait, you know, a George H.W. Bush era Kuwait war angle to this. Which is very interesting. There's there's like a, a game that the one guy that he, you know they remember the Kuwait, there's a little sure. finger game that they play, which I saw this at Cannes, and this is what I want to get to. Um, this Abel Ferrara really kind of try he took a swing for the bleachers with this. He tried to get back in the game of doing big studio mainstream stuff, didn't really work, and then he sort of. You know, retreated into doing his little hyper indie black and white marginal budget things after that. And this, this was it was sad. I was sorry that this didn't do better because it really could have given him added cachet. He really could have taken it to a new level again. Uh, I think the film was a little bit unfairly maligned. But however, that being said, when I saw that at Cannes, that was the most bizarre press conference I have ever attended for that film. What? It is still one of the most legendary press conferences. Abel Ferrara was very happy. Came out. You know, doing his usual kind of streety swagger thing. And that was, you know, that was 93. That was the year that uh, the piano won the Palme d'Or along with Farewell, My Concubine. And everybody knew the piano was a front-runner. Farewell, My Concubine was the one that nobody saw coming up the, up, the, up the gut. But Ferrara starts the press conference by saying, hey, I just saw Jane Campion at the airport. They gave her the Palme d'Or on the tarmac. Big laughter, very funny. Kind of prophetic. And then... About 10 minutes into the press conference, Alexander Walker stands up. Mark, you know who Alexander Walker was? Stanley
1: Kubrick, uh, famous, famous, yes, Yes.
0: famous British film critic, close friend of Kubrick's, wrote a book about Kubrick. Uh, but a, a, at the time, a, is he still alive? uh,
1: Look, look, look at
0: Walker, he must have died. I'm sure he's
1: not. Okay, He, he would
0: have to be in his 90s if he were. So, anyway. Walker, crusty old curmudgeon that he is, stands up and in his very patrician English, starts laying into Abel Ferrara. Like oh, he,
1: starts... he died in 2003.
0: Yeah, there we go, decade ago. So he he, he starts laying, that was about a decade later. So how, how old was he when he died?
1: Oh, I have to do that now?
0: Yes, you do. You're going to answer <laughs> my question. You're going to do it.
1: All right. What, 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 are we doing DVDs
0: here? Do yes, it? we are. Abel Ferrara. Uh, 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 Alexander Did you Walker. finish your story? I no, don't I'm not. To, uh... I'm still in the middle of the story. Oh, okay. It's a good story. So uh, seventy-three. He was seventy-three. Okay, so he was sixty-three, going on ninety. So, so he's Alexander Walker stands up and just starts shredding poor Abel Ferrara, laying into him because he has "quote unquote" overlooked many of the positive aspects of body snatching. I'm not kidding you. He laid into him because his movie overlooked the, quote-unquote, positive aspects of body snatching. And what would those uh, positive oh, it, aspects it make, be? makes people more sociable, less inclined to do violence, and so forth and so on. Basically, it was, he, he was concocting some kind of a weird argument, which frankly could have applied to both previous versions of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the Philip Kaufman and the original black-and-white film. that could have applied to those as well which is that we should all be so fortunate as to have aliens like, take us over because they will make us behave and be more peaceful. It was an extremely odd argument, and it made no sense, and Walker just looked like, a, like the, the cranky old lunatic who somehow wandered into a press conference where he didn't belong. And then the next question was from somebody in Denmark or Netherlands or somewhere who said, well, I really like the film. And Ferrara says, well, tell him that. And then big laughter, and Walker got very huffy, and uh, no one heard from him again. Anyway, uh, that's the story of Abel Ferrara's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Body Snatchers, the official title. And uh, it's now out on Blu-ray from the Warner, War- Warner Archive collection, and it is worth checking out. It's worth revisiting. It's a better film than anybody gave it credit for at the time.
1: I agree. Yep. And not just because you dropped some names at the press mm, conference. correct. Danny Walker does this, and then meaning does that. Yeah, well, there you go. Private Property is from um, the good folks over at uh, Cinalicious. Yeah. And they did a real nice... Cinalicious Picks. He did a real nice job right. uh, resurrecting a film that was considered to be Lost. This is uh, stars uh, Warren Oates, Corey Allen, and Kate Manx. And this is basically a film about a... Uh, a rape.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a they t- kind well, of a long lost film. It is, and it was a bit a bit of a, a, a bit scandalous at the time. It, I,
1: well, it was because Warren Oates and Corey Allen they they play these they, these these drifters, and um, one is named Duke and one is named Boots. And Boots has no sexual experience at all, so Duke decides he's going to break into a house and basically find him a woman to have sex with. Uh, yeah. And so it's a pretty deranged, dirty little film. And it's, it's got a very young war notes be, before he became, uh, you know, Sergeant Hulka,
0: right? And that kind
1: of stuff, right? And uh, it's a good film. It was uh, the guy who um, wrote the guy who uh, wrote it and directed it. He was involved in the Outer Limits.
0: Oh, uh, uh, um, Leslie Stevens. Leslie Stevens, that's right. Yes. Yeah, who was like sort of the Rod Serling of The Outer Limits. Yeah. Yes,
1: and what's interesting is that actually, Les- actually Leslie Stevens and Kate Manx, who plays the woman, they were married at the time. Oh, I did not know uh, that. Which is a little creepy when you see your wife, uh, you know, getting terrorized yeah. by, you know, War notes yeah. and whatever. And War notes and the guy who a few years later would terrorize uh, James Dean and uh, right. uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 Without a Cause. Sure. Anyway, Private Property, uh, I recommend this uh, mightily because it is a great example of a film that is just terrific and has been lost and deserved be, deserved to be resurrected, and it has been resurrected by the good folks at Sinalicious Picks. So good for yeah. them, and definitely check out Private Property. Uh, it is a real surprise.
0: Uh, And three interesting little blasts from the past. Uh, The first one is from the Arrow line, another cool exploitation film from the uh, mid to late 90s. The Initiation. This is really, this is just one of those uh, sorority sister slasher movies. Significant primarily because this was the first film for Daphne Zuniga. Uh, this was when she, uh, I, I say '80s. I didn't mean '90s. '80s, mid to late '80s movie. I used to like her. She was cute. Yeah. This is uh, this is Daphne Zuniga doing her. What uh, is Zuniga? Is it Zuniga? Daphne Zuniga. Zuniga. What whatever. Anyway. Well, I know. So, she back in the day, she was cute. Yes, she was, and uh, she's perfectly fine here as well. A lot of extras. Uh, the uh, you know, there's a new interview with uh, Charles Pratt Jr., who wrote it. Um, new interview with Christopher Bradley uh a lot of you know extended scene trailers you know the usual thing so it's a nice new addition to the uh, arrow line of uh, kind of culty classics and then these are awesome these are absolutely awesome uh from the um olive this is the uh, olive signature line so olive now has a line of classics of their own which they're packaging a little bit differently there's a nice uh, full color sleeve slip cover on these and these are the movies they're really trying to give some closer attention to we mentioned uh, High Noon a few weeks ago was uh, was one of those and uh, boy is this awesome the first one Night of the Grizzly with Clint Walker uh, beautiful beautiful artwork they've really put some effort into this everybody's kind of kind of trying to do their own criterion line here as well and uh night of the Grizzly still holds up i gotta tell you it's there's a there's certainly a uh, a walking tall feel to this uh, except he's not you know getting revenge against humans it's uh he's, he's you know trying to kind of take out the Grizzly. So there's more, a little bit more Jaws, I guess. Jaws or Godzilla of some kind. This is, Grizzly is just... Or Cujo, right? This is like Cujo with a bear. Um, anyway, Joseph Pevney, who did a lot of Star Treks, directed a lot of Star Treks, this is one of his big feature efforts. And it's a really, really cool film. Totally holds up. 1966, right before Pevney went on to do uh, a lot of Star Trek. Keenan Wynn, Jack Elam, a lot of those good, crusty-faced guys show up in this thing. Uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, transfer. Uh, fantastic audio commentary by a film historian. Bunch of featurettes, uh, including world premiere archival footage. It's really, really great. And then here's the big mama. Uh, from the Olive Signature line, The Quiet Man. John Ford's the amazing The Quiet Man. Maybe the best film that John Wayne ever made. John Wayne, Marina O'Hara, Barry Fitzgerald. Uh, great cast, great movie. If you're Irish, this just goes right to your, right to your heart. I'm, I'm a quarter Irish. Really, really goes right to my heart. Really fantastic. Uh, love this movie. And the thing that I particularly love about this movie, this wonderful, wonderful 1953 movie is that 30 years after this movie was released. This was released in 53. 30 years later, Mark, where did this where was this movie memorialized?
1: Um in uh Cincinnati.
0: No, 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 no. It shows up in another movie.
1: In Cincinnati.
0: No. It shows up in ET. What? You remember? Don't you remember no. when they let the frogs loose in the classroom? Uh... ET Remember, Elliot, Elliot is in the room, he's mm-hmm. in the classroom, and E.T. is watching The Quiet Man back at the oh. house, remember? And then he's like with the, with, and then he, with the What's Her Face, who wound up on uh, Baywatch, oh, Erica Eleniac, yeah, the little yeah. Erica Eleniac, and then Elliot and Erica are doing the thing yes, that Wayne is doing yes, with Marina Hyatt, and, yes, and he's connecting with E.T. Yes. You have no idea what I'm talking about. No idea. Okay. All right. Anyway, it's a wonderful movie, it's fantastic. Uh, Joe McBride. Good friend of ours who showed up in our uh, our schlock documentary he does yeah, the audio commentary. Yeah, no idea. Uh, because he has been a, you know, he wrote a biography of John Ford that is wonderful. And uh, anyway, it's fantastic. It's really good. A lot of featurettes. Just gorgeous. And Joe does a great commentary. He's always a good guy to listen to. He knows everything about everything John Ford. Fantastic.
1: Sweeney Todd. He's a demon, Barber Fleet Street. And uh, the San Francisco Symphony, conducted by Rob Fisher, gives us from the uh, year, the innocent year of 2001, uh, Sweeney Todd... Good stuff. Yeah, this is uh, you know it's Sweeney Todd. He's a deal sure. Barbara Fleet Street. It's got Patty LuPone, who was of course in Evita, and uh, a a fifteen years younger Neil Patrick Harris. Sure. And so it was, it was a special concert for you know it wasn't it wasn't like a run. It was just a special concert. But uh, it's good. You know it's uh, it's really well shot. Uh, it's in the it's it's 2001, but it's enough in the digital era where it still looks pretty good. And, of course, the music is fantastic by Stephen Sondheim. I would definitely see this over the Johnny Depp movie, which was like, meh, you kidding Yeah, me? no, that Terrible. was no good. Uh, Gypsy. Now, Gypsy, of course, is a terrific kind of forgotten musical that uh, was, it's, it was from 1959. Stephen Sondheim did the lyrics, and it's based on, of course, the, uh, the memoirs of Gypsy Rose Lee, uh, the famous stripper. And this is good. This is uh, from the 2015 West End production. And this uh, stars Imelda Staunton, Oscar nominee Imelda Staunton as uh, Gypsy Rose Lee and a couple others. And this is terrific. It's a lot of fun. It's beautifully shot. Um, You know, I just think if you're not familiar with Gypsy or you're not familiar with that sort of era in the big, you know, in the big uh, Broadway musicals, I think you would just really, really like this. It's just a great musical and they did a great job uh, resurrecting it in 2015 um, in the West End. So definitely check this out, uh, Gypsy. Finally, we have my pick of the week. Candide. Yes. Candide. Candide can do. So you would know be great if, no. if you
0: handed this out on Halloween? Right? Because be, Halloween Candide? Yeah. would that be great? Like kids come and trick-or-treat and you just drop this Blu-ray in their bags.
1: And with that, the show is canceled. Thank you. Uh, um, the only thing I don't like about this as I'm not a huge fan of Kristen Chenoweth, I know everybody loves her. She's such like a Broadway baby. I just, yeah. It's kind of annoying to me. I don't know. Yeah,
0: don't she know. kind of
1: is. But anyway, this, of course, is based on the uh, Voltaire uh, novel, and uh, it's got music by Leonard Bernstein, Steen, Stone. Yeah. And uh, I do... I, You know, I had not seen this in a long, long time. I was more familiar with the music than I was with anything else about it, but um, as an operetta, it's really funny stuff. It's definitely... if you, if you If you thought... If you thought an opera was just an opportunity to catch up on your sleep, then you may want to check out Candide because it's funny stuff in two acts, and it's great. It's, uh, again, not a huge fan of Kristen Chenoweth, but I loved everything else about it, especially the music, which is timeless, and it was recorded live um, at Lincoln Center. You can't get better than that.
0: Fantabulous. And then lastly, got a couple of uh, DVD Blu-ray, or Blu-ray, I should say Blu-ray CD combo sets. Uh, Motley Crue, The End, live in Los Angeles. Uh, the Crew, Mark. Remember when they were just The Crew?
1: I was never a huge fan of them.
0: Yeah, not really, but I am more now. It was too much of a hairband thing. Yeah, but you know what? By the way, I, I, I am addicted to the new Channel 18 on uh, XM serious Radio. I don't. Totally I, addicted. I don't have Okay, that. it used to be yacht rock, which was, you know, like the like rock that you'd listen to when you're on your yacht sailing over to Cannes while sipping a Mai Tai and surrounded by, uh, you know... Play, like, playmates
1: like, gay euro pop yeah, it was that? yeah
0: it was like uh, leisurely sailing music it was lame so anyway uh it is now it is now officially all bon jovi all the time i can't, I can't stop listening to it no. i can't it's all bon jovi cons it's like 24 7 john bon jovi it's pretty great occasionally it's like some counting crows or something else that sort of sounds like bon jovi but it's all otherwise all bon jovi all the time you're not into it okay well anyway motley Crue, same general era a little bit more hair uh yeah this was from uh this was live performance in los angeles cd and blu-ray it's it's a lot of fun i gotta be honest the blu-ray is a little bit better uh dr feelgood really just rocks it pretty great uh girls 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 uh, looks that kill, all the usual stuff, pretty fun, and uh, the uh, you know the solos are really, really great. And then on Blu-ray, we have Fallout Boy, the Boys of Summer Tour, live in Chicago. Uh, yeah, okay, I guess. Uh, I'm not really familiar with Fallout Boy. Uh, are you, Mark? No, they're lame. Are they Lame. Lame. They're lame. Okay. Well. Anyway, I you know I I sort of tried to get into what when did they, what what's their whole what's their deal? Why did, why have I never heard of them? Goodbye, everybody. We'll see you next week. All right. That's it. Anyway, uh, if you're if you're a fan, you know, fair fair enough. Uh, they, they you know this was filmed during their 2015 tour, and uh, I, I you know it's Fall Out Boy, Boys of Summer tour, live in Chicago. All right, that's it. We are done, and uh, we will be back next week. And then the week after that, which is the uh, week of Thanksgiving and Black Friday, is our holiday show. You're definitely going to want to tune in. We've got a lot of fun stuff uh, and a lot of great stuff to cover. The annual holiday show, and then after that, we will uh, go on hiatus with possibly a couple of cleanups in uh, December. But otherwise, um, it's two more shows, Mark, and then basically we're back in the new year. Can't believe we're, we're there already. Okay, with that, you